Hi everyone, welcome to Training with Casey, where we explore animal training and living our best lives with animals. I'm Joseph Laughlin, producer of this podcast, and now here's your host, Casey Covert. Let's get started. Hey, welcome everybody. Thank you for the introduction. Joseph, this is Casey Covert, your host on Training with Casey. And tonight we're talking about coming to terms with terminology, our favorite subject, right? But knowledge is power. And tonight we're going to talk about two terms that should be very simple. And over the years, they've been embroiled in controversy and illogical, you know, just lack of logic, okay? So these terms are reinforcer and diminisher. And let's give you the definitions first and why. These are the exact definitions that I use and promote. So a reinforcer increases the frequency of the behavior it immediately follows. A diminisher decreases the frequency of the behavior it immediately follows. So these are exactly the same, except a reinforcer increases and a diminisher decreases. And they both affect the frequency of the behavior that they immediately follow. Now, these are the critical terms in this definition, these definitions. I have seen people that have, you know, a degree, even a PhD in learning theory, misdefine a simple term like reinforcer. And I'll tell you who did it first, B.F. Skinner. And here's why I'm so bold as to say this. B.F. Skinner exhorted us to only deal with the observed. In fact, he said, we're going to talk about reinforcement, not reward, because reward is a subjective state in the animal's mind, which we cannot observe. So we can't comment on it. Instead, we should talk about whether or not the behavior is reinforced or strengthened. And then he went on to state that a reinforcer increased the probability of the behavior it immediately follows. Well, mm, that just doesn't work because the probability is an unexpressed potential. It isn't until it's expressed that we can count it. And then it gives us the frequency of that behavior. This is so important because if you get fuzzy on your thinking of this, none of it will make sense. So in general, people assume that a reinforcer is something the animal likes or wants. You notice This definition gives no hint 
that the, a reinforcer is something the animal likes or wants. You may have trouble believing this right now, but if, if we work together, I guarantee you will come to the conclusion that a, it has nothing to do with whether or not the animal likes it. Okay, a reinforcer has to do with whether or not it increases the frequency of the behavior it immediately follows. Now, if you like working with this kind of stuff, you got to get into the bridge and target offerings that we have because we really dive into this. All right, so reinforcer increases not the probability, but the frequency of the behavior it immediately follows. Now, this is very specific and it's very important. It doesn't say it increases the frequency of a behavior. There must be contingency. The consequence that the trainer delivers must be in direct linkage to the behavior that we're trying to alter. Otherwise, again, things get meaninglessly fuzzy. For example, does food increase the frequency of the behavior? Yeah. But in a general sense, that's useless to a trainer because a trainer has to get in there at an instant. You have a consequence for a behavior and then assess whether or not that increased, decreased, or didn't affect the behavior. You might give food thinking that you're going to increase the frequency of the behavior that the food immediately follows. But if the animal doesn't like that food, or if the animal is full, or if the animal has an allergy, or if the animal has nausea, it will not serve as a reinforcer, or it probably will not serve as a reinforcer. Meanwhile, we trainers tend to be a bit diabolical and a little devilish and maybe expert manipulators. I'm not saying we are, but it could be. I can make you hate something you like in a matter of seconds. And I can probably make you hope for something you previously didn't like also just as quickly. And if you want to talk about those, again, we dive into it in the Bridge and Target classes. So if you have a hard time, if you can't project and imagine cases where it's exactly like I described, where you are looking for something you normally wouldn't like, and that will reinforce your behavior, or you're going to not want something that somebody would think you would normally like. And it's just demonstrates that a reinforcer is not dependent on whether or not the animal likes it. A reinforcer is dependent on whether or not it increases the frequency of a behavior.
So I honed these definitions because I wanted them to have everything that was essential and nothing more. I wanted them to be very, very easy to remember. And I wanted people to really understand every single required feature. So the features are whether it increases or decreases, that's first feature. Second feature is the frequency of the behavior. And the third feature is the contingency, the behavior it immediately follows. So now let's uh, review again the definition of a diminisher. The diminisher decreases the frequency of the behavior it immediately follows. And this really must replace punisher. We were told not to use reward, but to use reinforcer instead because a reinforcer objectively depends on the frequency of a behavior. And then they use punisher? It doesn't make sense. This is illogical. Punisher is to diminisher as reward is to reinforcer. So you have a re reinforcer, it increases the frequency, a diminisher decreases. Punisher refers to an, a subjective state of mind, which we cannot assess, but it's much worse than that. So the ABA community has been resistant to changing this definition. And it was never a good term for the reasons I already told you, but it's worse than that. And that's because the term punisher is such an emotionally laden word. It has so much attached baggage that it's absolutely emotionally charged to the extent that people don't want to admit ever using a punisher, even though technically it only means that we decrease the frequency of a behavior. And certainly we all do that proudly. The problem is when we say punish, the listeners, at least those that speak English, cannot track the technical definition. They get lost in the vernacular meanings and connotations. And you say punish and they think injure, inflict pain, degrade, demean, torture, you go on. When technically all it means is you diminish the frequency of any given target behavior. Target behavior here meaning not that the animal is going to go through the act of targeting, but rather that that is the behavior of our focus. As a matter of fact, some ocean area 
and zoos are so sensitive to public opinion on this, and I don't fault them for this, it's just a fact, that they have officially made statements that they don't punish anything, which is ridiculous. Technically, we all diminish behavior and we all reinforce behavior. That's what we do. So the misassignment of the term punish has just created a ridiculous mess so that we have people that claim that they're purely positive trainers. And of course, if you're up on your terminology, positive doesn't mean good and negative doesn't mean bad. Those simply mean that you either add or subtract from the environment. So I believe that when somebody says they're purely positive trainer, they mean that they only use reinforcers. But accurately, it could mean that they only deliver positive punishers. And the fact that they would ever call themselves a purely positive trainer is such a misapplication of the terminology as to call their entire level of expertise into question. Now, I'm sure a lot of these trainers are great trainers and well-intentioned and so on and so forth, but you can't claim you're an expert in the field of operant conditioning if you misuse the terminology to that degree. Okay, there's a lot more to talk about on this stuff. And it's actually a lot of fun because knowledge is power and clear thinking is power squared. And there's so much emotionalism and uh, so much misrepresentation based on terminology and basic operant conditioning concepts. And we really need to explore these as a field, shine the light on them, clean them up. And don't be put off by, let's say you're not an operant conditioning scientist. That doesn't mean that your ability to think critically and independently is any less than another scientist. In fact, as I have mentioned, there have been quite a number of learning theory scientists that simply get this wrong. Now, how do I you know, be so bold as to say all this? And it just so happens that I'm both trained as a scientist in fact, for a number of years at the University of Maryland, part of my job in the animal science department was to analyze scientific research papers. So I get the terminology and I get the scientific discipline and I'm fluent with it. I have worked in research in other capacities. I have transcribed all kinds of research and medical information, but I also have another qualification. 
Now, I'm not bragging about this, but I do bring it up because it's relevant. And that is, it just so happens that when I get tested, <laughs> I test out, well, I got a hundred, I got 800 points on my SAT exam. I guess they don't use those anymore, but that was a college entrance exam when I was getting ready for college and it's a perfect score. So I got a perfect score on my verbal skills to go into college. When I got into college, I got a perfect score on my two grammar tests that I had to take. I got at least in the 99th percentile for everything else, reading comprehension, um, use of analogies, it goes on and on. So, however it happened, it turns out that I am really proficient in the use and understanding and application of English in its various forms, written and spoken. And so I have, I actually have a teacher certification and studied reading comprehension and so on to teach others. And this makes me just uniquely prepared to take a look at these things in a logical way and kind of clean them up sort them out and explain them. So I hope this is helpful to you. And if you get a little frustrated at the people that mangled the terms before now, people that set you on the wrong path, maybe just be forgiving toward them because a lot of people get very confused by these things. But do not stay there. Terminology is important because the whole point of terminology is so that we can communicate accurately and hopefully in a more efficient way because the terms are clearly defined. And so when we use a specific term, it means the same thing in our community. In other words, it always means the same thing. It's not that one person gives it one shade of meaning and another person gives it another shade of meaning. Okay, we've got more terms coming. I hope you're having fun with this. Thank you for sharing your time. I really appreciate it. And please comment. Tell me what your frustrations with terminology have been how it helps you, how it's hurt you, uh, whatever you want to share, I'm interested. All right. Thank you very much. Take care. See you next time. Hey, fans, are you enjoying training with Casey? Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Casey Cover on YouTube. That is youtube.com forward slash C slash Casey Cover. Also, give the podcast a like, 
share, and comment. Thanks for joining us. Come back for more news and views on animal training and living with animals. Stay at the top of the pack with Casey. This is Joseph Laughlin, producer of Training with Casey. See you next time.